Nah, nah, nah. So they just thought they wasn't going to get an episode this week because they talking about Turkey and all of this. Mm -mm. It's too early in the game for that. You're locked onto the Let's Talk Sports podcast, the weekly NBA podcast without all those soft, generic bullshit takes. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Now, with no further ado, let's get you into this week's episode of Let's Talk Sports. Choose serum time. Should LeBron James still be considered the best player in the world? Hmm. Should LeBron James? Well, Beats, when I look at the stats, the stats say yes, but I don't think so. It's another James that comes to mind. Oh. James Harden. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. This is your host, Remo, a.k.a. Mr. Rich Threads, on your weekly check-in. Now, I know you guys have heard the rumblings. You've heard the intro. And, um, man, from what I've seen, it is safe to say that LeBron Ramon James is absolutely back. I don't know if you want to claim him the best in the league. That's up to a debate. But on my end... Is damn sure looking like it. The man is averaging 25, 11, and 7. 25 points, 11 assists, and 7.4 rebounds. And he's kicked off the season to a 15 and 2 starts. This shit is looking crazy to me. Like, I know they doubted him initially last year because he didn't make the playoffs. Said, oh, you know, has the king receded his, uh, his throne because he's no longer... In the playoffs every year And Kawhi is doing this And we got Steph Curry James Harden is, is cooking And you know My problem with the media And my problem with so called Quote unquote fans Are sometimes they're prisoner of the moment Like just cause you haven't seen me At the present moment Doesn't mean that I'm ready to relinquish my throne Like LeBron is doing things That we have never ever seen Granted, don't say I'm the biggest LeBron fan, but to see a man in year 17 at 34, 35 years old, to me is frankly just amazing. He's moving like we've never seen. You know, of course you slow down a little bit with Father Time, but he's playing at a pace where it's much wiser. And he's actually playing a new position at the point guard this year. We haven't seen that from him ever yet. And... To be frank, it's looking kind of good, man. Him and Anthony Davis look like, you know, two items that they just fit. Like, I can't really say much about the fit that I see. And and for what I see, I kind of love it, to be honest with you. Nothing looks forced between the two. Initially, you know, spacing was kind of an issue. But I think they figured it out. They're rolling. The defense is amazing at this point in time. And, um, you know, everything is clicking for them. He has Dwight Howard looking like, you know, the signing was a good signing. In my mind, I just thought, you know, he wasn't the guy to really sign and to say, oh, he's going to be a helpful piece. But shit, he's turning around now. He's I think he leads the league in blocks per game. And JaVale and, and AD is right behind. Where they have the number one defense in the in the entire NBA out of 30 teams. 
So, um, yeah, LeBron, man, he's looking good to me. I don't know how you guys really feel about LeBron, but, you know, he's finishing at the rim. He's shooting terrible at the free throw line at uh, like 66% or something like that. But other than that, every other facet of his game is amazing. He played um against the Spurs the other day, and he caught uh, one of his classic rundown blocks on Deshante Murray. And that's a young boy. He got up there. And he thought he, you know, it was it was clear sailings, and you know, LeBron came out of nowhere and grabbed that one out the sky. I guess that's what spending 1.5, 1.6 every year on your body would do for you, because he came in. He came into the season after suffering the groin injury last year, and he's in amazing shape from what I see. He doesn't look winded. He doesn't look like you know he's playing to avoid injury. He's playing very loose. When the, when the hole does open, you know, he's ready to crank it on you. And from what I see, he's willing to take the, the, the three-point shot. The other day, he had four three-pointers in one game. You know, 33 points. I like what I'm seeing from LeBron. And it's it it might be easy for me to say, yes, LeBron James has restamped himself as the best player in the NBA at this time. Some reasons or not, you know, Kawhi might forfeit be on the fact that, you know, he's, let's quote unquote say absent for a lot of the games, whether it be injury, whether it be load management, whatever you want to classify it as Kawhi at this point, because, you know, he's kind of getting a bad rap for this. And then the 15-2 and record really stands out at the top of the West, I think the top of the NBA total. And it might be an outlier because, you know, he has started out with a pretty easy schedule compared to a lot of a lot of teams some of the teams of a lesser statue he's actually shown that you know he's had to will his his team through some of these victories but you know we all say wait until we see what the what the postseason look like to really defend what kind of player this person is or has become or will turn out to be so I, don't, I think the grading factor doesn't really come so far in the, the season or small sample size that we have gotten so far. Some teams off to about 14, 15 games so far. So we shall see when it comes to the the crowning of the best NBA player. But for me, right now, I think um, LeBron has my vote. And... um. <laughs> It's tough to say right now because, you know, there's a couple people knocking at the door. As far as MVP talk, we still have, you know, James Harden. You still got a Kawhi. You still got a player like, you know, PG came out like a ball of fire. You got Luka. But as far as overall skills, overall control of the game, from start to end, I'm going to still go with LeBron James at this point in time. So, um... If you have been under a rock, yeah, my boy's back. Give him a round of applause. You damn right. Listen, for those that don't know, Carmelo Anthony has been signed by the Blazers, and he just came off an amazing performance against the Chicago Bulls, which was actually one of his uh, ghost fandom teams that he made a pit stop for, too, and never actually played for them. But that's a whole nother story. But uh, Melo did have 25 points, 
and eight rebounds that game. Shooting, um, I think I believe it was three or four or four or five from three point line. He played a very solid, solid game. He looked like he had uh, springy legs. The old man actually caught a dunk. Yeah, you're not dreaming. He said, "Yeah, I said it." He caught a dunk. It was on a uh, Sadaransky. It, it, it was smooth, quick one dribble, drive, two hands. Looked amazing. But um, you know, Melo received a lot of flack from the media. Even when he he did have one bad game where he went 0-8 from three point land. And so far right now, he's averaging 16 with five boards. But the thing is, I think the media is uh is kind of built to tear the man down. And then when he does pretty good or the plus and minus numbers is on the plus side, I think he was plus 18 in his last game, you don't hear much coverage of that. Or it's like the last topic or he doesn't make like a undisputed or, you know what I'm saying? <coughs> the way if he would shoot bad, they usually go on a... On a on a repeat of all his missed shots for the games and so that's why i say like the media is in control of a lot of things that we see visually and it really steers the narrative because for somebody like that who's been called off their couch for the last 365 days when they have deemed by by the public by the media that this guy should go to the big three or this guy should go play in china yeah mellow should just hang it up not only is he a zero, he's a double zero. A real loser. If he really loves the game, this is what he will do. When the whole time he was just telling you guys, like, man, all I want to do is play basketball. For the fact that they they, they shamed this man. And it, it seemed like it wasn't about basketball at the end of the day because now he's back in the league. And he, shout out to Dame Lillard, man. That's a real dude right there. You know, he's been trying to get Melo to come out to Portland for about the last three years, two, three years since LaMarcus Aldridge decided to leave. He's been lobbying for Melo to come out there. So has CJ McCullough and Rodney Hood and a couple of those other cats. And I really liked when they seen Melo doing good, the excitement, the pure excitement and joy that they have for their new teammate. Get off to a good start and really work himself into, you know, game shape, but look good while doing it and be proud of him. That's the difference between him and the few pit stops that he's made in the last uh, two years with Houston and OKC, where they took everything that he was good at and kind of stripped him of that and put him in a in the corner for strictly uh, catch and shoot situations, or they told him no mid range shots, no ISO basketball. Why would you take away? most of the good things or most of the great things that Melo has actually been great at over a period of his career and kind of pigeonhole him so for the fact that Dame encouraged these guys over here in um in Portland to give Melo a shot man let Melo play Melo basketball I think that's a that's a commend to the type of person Dame is and and the organization itself where they're allowing him to really go out and Find his legs, find his groove, find out where he where <coughs> he best fits in the offense. And you know, he's a he's a smart heady guy. He's not as quick as he used to be, which he was never really quick to begin with, but he's a pro. He'll know how to fit in in the slots where 
it deemed be best for him, deemed be best for the team. And sometimes I notice with them when they get caught with the with the trade ball, they they get a little shot happy. Melo could be like the common factor that could get them a mid range or something in between, like a tweener basket, just to keep the momentum going and keep the keep the points rolling on the board. So um, from my evaluation right now, I'm giving Melo maybe a B minus. You know, sometimes I feel as though he he falls a little too in love with the three ball, but maybe because he's kind of tired and he really can't get to the bucket because he does have like fresh legs, quote unquote, because you know he's been home. So he he looks he looks great. He looks in shape, but to be in NBA basketball shape is a whole nother level. But aside from looks, shout out to his wife. His wife was there. She kind of did look sour looking at him on FaceTime like, man, you lucky I love my kid. I'm FaceTiming him right now. But shout out to her for being there, you know, allowing the kid to, to really see a, a moment in history with his dad via FaceTime. I believe he passed um, Alex English on the all-time scoring list. At, uh, I think he's now 18th. He had a three-pointer that uh, that put him into the to the scoreboard to the scorebooks in history as uh, the 18th scorer. And um, but aside from all of that, I really want to discuss kind of the public relations side of Carmelo. You know, I was talking to Just and you know my man Damo. Shout out to the Bumper Room podcast, you know, dope, dope work over there. But we had a we had a side discussion. He was basically discussing the way Melo handles social media and handles his public perception in the media. And I kind of had an issue with it. And they were surprised being that I'm I'm, I'm a Melo guy, you know. My problem with it is. Sometimes I feel Melo doesn't know how to get out his own way and to steer the narrative or allow the media to steer the narrative on him. He like he gives them ammo by some of his antics, you know, some of his videos of him signing and him talking about the sign and just just be a player and force the media to understand how you feel. With your play, because they're looking, they're they're baiting on every word, on everything that comes along with a Carmelo Anthony, to actually jump on and say he's wrong. He had a bad game. He said, "Oh, he, this is, he's the worst rot- rotational player in in the NBA at the time right now." He played three games, but this all goes to they want to look for something negative to say about the guy, and he kind of gives them a lot of ammo, you know. He, he, he dropped a couple videos. I, I kind of wanted Melo to come out and be like, you know, I'm not going to take the starting role. You know, I, I know a lot of guys are down, but, you know, I'm a team player right now. I'm just a guy that, you know, that they needed and to plug in the situation. And if Deem, and if Deem needed by Dame and the coaching staff and he feel as though it's best for me to start, I'll accept that starting role. But at this point in time... I'm not sure if I'm ready to just jump in the starting lineup. And then even if the the coach came back behind that and stated something like, you know, Nah, Mel, we want you to we want you to start. And it came out publicly that that was something coming from up top to Melo. 
I think it would look a little better from public perception. Because initially, before he even played, these guys, Charles Barkley and Shaq, saying, you know, he has to accept a bench role. This is his his position, and this is where he at, he's at in his life at 35 years old. He's a role player, and this at the fourth. For him to come out now and actually start and be productive and not be pedestrian, averaging 16-5 and five in his first three games, that's pretty good for a 35-year-old man that they said is not athletic, that can't move. That's a dinosaur, that his game is dated, and all this other stuff. So I think, you know, as far as a, as a PR standpoint, I think Melo should do a little bit more talking with his game and a whole lot less talking as far as the media. And if he does talk, talk more on the, the side of, you know, the team, the guys, the team, and less me, less of where I'm at. Don't even discuss uh, any type of tours or you plan to play for this X, Y, Z amount of years because they didn't want you this year. It just so happens Portland started off with a with a really slow start, with a weak roster, and a superstar that the front office really, really respected, and a, and a superstar that the front office accepted what his needs and his wants because he really liked you and he really wanted to play with you at one point in time. So you know, just be humble. Stay mellow. That's the saying, right? Oh, yeah. And, and double zero trash, by the way. Um, I would like to talk about players that just seem not to be fitting for me. Like, I get it. Like, the NBA is a business. You know, everybody can't get what they want. But um, some players I, I'm, I'm seeing, I think it's just time for them to, to, to either find a situation to move on to or or just come out and request something because as of december 15th players that have signed during this offseason are eligible to be traded as of december 15th and you know you guys could, could hit me up on, on um twitter and let me know how you feel about this let's talk sports on twitter but i came up with uh three players where i feel should consider making a move and my number one player and i know this is my guy just his guy like you know this is this is number one i think cp3 i think it's at this point in time it's kind of hurting me to see cp3 play at the level he's playing at and it's kind of meaningless he's averaging 16.5 right now in a reduced kind of role because he's um, sharing minutes with in OKC's eye a button superstar of uh, Shea, Shea Gilchrist Alexander and you know I can't blame OKC for that and you kind of have to blame CP3 because he did what most superstars or all superstars would do was accept a big contract but what that did was kind of lock him into a situation where you know you can't have demands and the money so you can't have both because he took the the big bag that he got from houston and was not the franchise player the franchise play the franchise player was james harden and what james harden want they appeased to james harden so they moved cp3 and cp3 is astronomically 
large contract at this time where a lot of teams don't have the cap room or the players to match a contract like CP3 and CP3 is on the other end of you know his career not saying he's done but you know he's there ah it's hard to it's hard to really say but a guy like that I could see being a whole lot more productive in a certain in, in a couple situations whether it be uh san antonio i could see him working out i could see him in, in miami because miami doesn't really have a point guard they kind of reduce Dragic's role to the second unit and they're using none as the starting point guard now until winslow comes back i guess um I don't know how much more pit stops I really see for CP3. Maybe the 76ers. That might could work out because, you know, Ben Simmons is the de facto point guard over there, but he's we've seen him. He's pretty useless in the fourth quarter. He can't really shoot and teams don't really fear him. So at the point guard, they sit back on the paint and they give Embiid hell. So, uh, is there any other? I don't think there's much locations other than that that I really see CP3 going and being effective or being like a really productive guy. Because every everybody has a point guard that's kind of like in the mix, and you know, well, he may could go to Dallas and, and help them as as a as an older vet and somebody who can handle the ball at the end of games and make a lot of heady decisions because they don't have a lot of um, smart decisions coming out there other than Luca that second unit is looking a little shaky so when Luca sits down I, I could see CP3 rolling and he probably could get KP in the game and you know KP's looking a little soft this year but that's one location that's one person um a Kevin Love I almost forgot Kevin Love's in the NBA to be honest with you He's stuck out there in Cleveland. They gave him a contract extension. Kevin Love is averaging quietly. He's kept almost 18 and 12. But nobody's seeing this at this point in time. He's averaging 17.9 points and 11.8 rebounds in a city that nobody, frankly, gives a damn about. Nobody watches Cleveland games, and I forget that this guy's even in the NBA, and he's too much of a talent in his own to say that Kevin Love is playing meaningless basketball at 30 years old. You know, a lot of teams out there could use a Kevin Love service at this point in time, like uh, plenty of teams. I, I can name off the top. I could see him. I could see him in in, uh, in Portland. I could see him in Brooklyn. I could see him somewhere like Denver. I could see him in OKC if need be. This place is for, for a guy like Kevin Love, man. Somebody who's unselfish. Somebody who's a willing passer. Somebody who's a willing defender at times. Amazing rebounder. And he's a stretch 4-5 if needed. Kevin Love's amazing, uh, amazing talent that's not being utilized the right way. And we don't want to see our NBA stars really dwindle before our eyes, man. You know, like, 
this is 18 and 11 18 and 12 that could be used on a productive team we've seen it work in places like Toronto you really don't think much of, of the players that they picked up last year but Serge played a big role in winning that championship um Ibaka played a big role and these guys put up similar numbers to a guy like Kevin Love if given the opportunities so I don't see why Kevin Love should be stuck in Cleveland just dwindling away and the last play that I could come up with right now is LaMarcus Aldridge LaMarcus Aldridge made a big mistake he went chasing the pop system that never seemed to really been tailor-made for him from his arrival they were even willing to trade him or he was requesting a trade or looking for a trade from the time that he arrived and it didn't deem well. LaMarcus is out averaging 18.8 and 6.7 rebounds right now. But it's not producing wins. For the first time the Spurs look like they might miss the playoffs. And I think Aldridge is time. He he's a player that it might be time to just speak up. And get out of town before the ship sails. Because frankly, that 18 and 6 looked better in, in in Portland than it ever did in San Antonio. I never really noticed Lamarcus Aldridge for putting a stamp on the game like he did ever since he's left Portland. And I wouldn't be against a remarriage of Aldridge to Portland. It sounds crazy. I don't know if Dame Lillard would be up for it. But his time in Portland was some of his most productive basketball from, from my viewpoint. And shit, why not? They are struggling at the 3 4 the well the 4 5 area because like Hassan Whiteside is so pedestrian and Nurkic is still injured. And it's another punch. Another 18 points a game. That might drop a little bit. Because you know Dame does get a lot of touches. And CJ has evolved into a way better player than when he left. But you know it can work somewhere. He can he can kind of mirror the same stops that Kevin Love would make. I, I do like Aldridge in a place like Phoenix as well. I think they're kind of missing like a, a stretch four ish somebody who could make it happen from that position because they are missing Aiden right now and I'm not sure if they have Kelly Oubre at their four I don't know who runs their four but he could work out there when they when the, the the speed game is not really working for them you know he can be an outlet that's he that's neither here nor there but if you guys have any uh players that you feel should make a move or teams that should make a move for certain players that might look good you could you could let me know man i'm all i'm up to to all options just to hear it man because sometimes it's fun man it's a good thing to just play around with ideas let's play the put the gm hats on and let's get it you could hit me up at uh let's, let's talk sports on twitter uh, I'm, I'm always up for debate man it's, uh, i'm always up for it but um before we get out of here, I would like to discuss on a serious note <laughs> the level of attentiveness that NBA players 
get from the NBA during and after the, their time in the league. So during the NBA, during their NBA career, you know, we've seen players go through a lot of different issues, whether it be mental, whether it be physical, whether it be, um, you know, psychological. And I just want to run down a list of a couple players that are big names that have had issues that seem not to be as attentive by the NBA and their peers. Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom is a former sixth uh, six man of the year, former NBA champion. Why is it that Lamar Odom in the 2000s was using crack? And the NBA gave no form of intervening or trying to help any type of program to their brother. He's, he's, I've seen a special with him. He always stated that, you know, he suffered from depression. He, su- he suffered from alcoholism. And it was something that came from seeing his actual father with needles in his hand and all of that. And hearing somebody like that coming into the NBA with such talent, why isn't it that that wasn't addressed at the door? You know, some kind of counseling, some kind of grieving, some kind some way to make sure that this player doesn't relapse because they say most issues does come from their environment what they've seen what they've been around and what actual help are they receiving to alleviate that ron artest he say he's he used to take drinks at halftime of hennessy and during big games and he'll be drunk and and to be dependent on a vice while being an NBA player at the time and it not being addressed by nobody, it's no way in hell that you're in a huddle and somebody who's sweating, you don't smell the alcohol coming off their pores or you don't smell alcohol on somebody's breath mid-huddle. Like One, it's not safe for them being around you know, fans like that being around each other like that so like it's something that should be addressed whether it be privately and and left out of the media i think i'm all for that if it's really an issue with trying to help somebody get better we've seen oj mayo receive a banishment from the nba so to receive a banishment from the nba so we know this isn't the first field test it wasn't the second field test so at what point in time do you Forget the testing, the humane part of it. At what point do you feel as though, let's help this guy? You know, this it's further than just basketball with this guy. He He's using controlled substances that are way more powerful than just weed, marijuana, or painkillers. These guys are doing, you know, psychedelic drugs. Or these guys are on, you know control substances that are very are very hard to get off of very hard to wean themselves over so i i don't i don't i think this this needs to be addressed at this point because the media today is very harsh on these players and today's society is very harsh on players as well so i i just think like it'd be best if you know we addressed it there's a couple different names out here that has also suffered from certain things ty lawson alcoholic issues a couple duis kevin love openly came out with um 
depression issues and whether whether it be um you know media depression the way that they're they're deemed in in public by uh their peers you know Kyrie has spoken about the way that the, the media narrates certain things and make players look a certain way uh kevin kevin durant he's spoken out on media and depression and just wanting to play basketball and not have to do with all the other intangibles to go along with it and i think one of the biggest advocates was royce white he actually spoke out on his anxiety to actually fly and he was one of the first players i think that was outspoken against the nba and he i don't think he ever ended up playing a single game in the nba because he he started a war basically against the Houston Rockets and said they weren't trying to do enough for him as an organization to help him overcome his fear of flying or making it more comfortable for him in order. I actually suffered from panic attacks. 2012, I got drafted to the Rockets. And obviously, once I got to Houston, we had some disagreements. But my problem with the NBA is they had taken the stance that they could negotiate out of the science. The Houston Rockets owner probably really evaluated like, okay, what would be the cost for me? Enough for him as an organization to help him overcome his fear of flying or making it more comfortable for him in order to fly. And for that being said, I understand. And I get it because some people have fears that they just can't overcome and they need help. So, um, you know, I think it can more can be done, especially with uh, former players as well who are going. We've seen Delonte West. He's going through, you know, a really bad time with uh, whatever he has going on, psychological issues. And to see players that you've once cheered for, you've rooted for, go through these situations that might just need a, a helping hand, it's it's kind of sad, man. So, you know, on another note, NBA, just do right by your players, present and former players. And um, that's it for this week, man. I gave you a quick Lucy. Make sure you guys don't eat too heavy for, for Thanksgiving Day. The NBA will be off for Thanksgiving, but right back at you on Friday. So um you guys enjoy. Don't get too crazy at Black on Black Friday. And that is episode four. Your host, Remo, aka Mr. Rich Threads. Let's talk sports pod. And we out of here. Episode 4.